Welcome to Mildly Interested. I'm Joe Whitefield. In this short series focusing on economic and behavioral economic themes for organizational leaders, Ryan Whitefield and I discussed the books Thinking in Bets by Annie Duke and The Honest Truth About Dishonesty by Dan Ariely. Enjoy the program and thank you for your interest. And welcome to the program. This is uh, kind of our first episode. Uh, Joe Whitefield here, uh, joined in the studio with uh, Ryan Whitefield. Ryan, welcome. Hello, hello. Uh, good to be with you. Um, we're we've decided we're going to tackle a couple of uh, um, topics. We'll call them books, but really we call this our sort of a little bit of our reader listener section, where in this case I've read some stuff and you've listened to some stuff, and we're going to uh, chop that up a little bit. The topic of today's uh, episode is uh, Thinking in Bets, a uh, book by Annie Duke, a uh, world-class poker player, but it's not particularly a, a poker book. matter of fact, it's not a poker book. It's a, uh, it's a business and, and decision-making book because the subtitle is Making Smarter Decisions When You Don't Have All the Facts. Love it. Yeah, I do too. It's like, because that's every decision, <laughs> right? Every decision you have to make, you don't have all the facts. And I like the fact that we're going to talk about uh, uncertainty and things like that that come into play. Uh, so if, if this is a skill or if this is something that you need to learn about, we have a really an excellent, excellent book. Um, so, Ryan, you listened to a, a podcast on this. Yes. And uh, tell me a little bit about that. Um, what was one of the first takeaways? Well, one of my first takeaways is uh, that Andy Duke um, stole your thunder. You know, your, your favorite oh, wow. phrase that you've uh, said to me a lot is, you know, economics and is uh, playing chess while everyone else is playing checkers but um, you know a point she made very clear I'm sure it's in the book somewhere too is that chapter one I think is it chapter one okay so you already know what's coming it's uh, you know life is uh, poker not chess yeah and I thought that was brilliant because it's you know when you look at you know when you're playing chess you have the whole board in front of you not only do you have your pieces and all of your information and everything that you know about yourself to be true you can see every single move that you know your opponent has in front of them, and you can see all of their options and everything, you know, just as easily as you can see yours. And that's that's not how it is at all, really. Um, you know, the, life yeah. is full of uncertainty. It's full of you know other people's you know biases and their other people's information and, and just uncertainty about you know the future. And you know, you you never have all of the information. So you know, how do you make the best decisions? Um, you know, how do you make the best decisions on the information that you do know, and how do you, you know, quantify and account for the things that you don't know? Right. Well, and I think that is so true. And I don't play poker. I think you do. You, I do play you, poker. You play some poker, so I know this is resonating with you. <laughs> this is right a, up my alley. At a different level than it is with me. Even I will watch poker. It's it's funny people can't believe this, but I watch poker on TV because what I love seeing is when it comes up, it shows you the the hands that everybody has. But I can't compute all the probabilities and the calculations as much as everybody would, but you could certainly see what what she's talking about in this book, that is, you know, you have to play the hands. You ha- you know your cards, you see the cards that are up that everybody sees, you don't know what anybody else has, and voila, you have to, uh, you know, play out the hand. And here's the key thing, here's the key thing, and that is, you play the hand that you have, and you don't have all the information, but every with every turn of a card in poker, or Texas Hold'em is pretty much, I think, the game we're talking about. Sure. With every turn of a card, the whole hand changes. Your hand improves or gets worse, and so everything changes. And she's saying that's a real metaphor uh, for life, and I can't really disagree with that. So, in uh, 
you've had a little more life to live than me, so um, I might have to take your word for that. Little, no, a <laughs> little bit of uncertainty there for sure. So let's ask one of the one of the first topics that comes we come away with this, and I think it's uh, just really heady stuff is this this idea of resulting. <clears throat> Excuse me, resulting. Um, were you able to kind of listen in and, and hear about what that what that was? Tell me about resulting. It was well. The example she used in the book um, was a great example of um, you know the Super Bowl between the Seahawks and the Patriots, um, right. where um, instead of famously um, the Seahawks on the one yard line at, uh, at the end of the game, instead of handing off the ball to Marshawn Lynch, uh, Russell Wilson throws an interception and the game is ended. And of course the the world was falling apart the next day in the headlines. You know, it was the worst call of all time, and um, you know everyone, you know, kind of armchair quarterbacks it. I think that's kind of the term she used, and and she's right. right. But you know, that's just purely basing you know the quality of the decision just on the results. And you know, she goes in further in the podcast, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me that you know the results, the results don't determine whether you know don't necessarily determine, I should say, whether the decision you made was good or bad. Right. So the, there's no question in that case that the result was terrible sure. for the Seahawks, right? But that's not what people said at all. What a terrible outcome. What they said was, what a terrible decision. Right. And that's really the whole thing, is, is, is being able to uh, break apart the result of a decision and the decision itself. Because... Once you make the decision in anything, whether it's calling a play or in life or what have you, and this is what she talks about and, and I really resonate with, is that once you make a decision, there are certain aspects of uncertainty that are at play, right? And, of course, they go on that book to talk about, if you look statistically, what were the chances of that ball being picked off? How many how many one-yard passes have been picked off? You know, And it's like less than 1%. So, so you do the math, you do the statistics, you do things like that. It's like, well, the decision wasn't terrible. They're doing clock management, and there's, there's a lot of other factors that you have to figure out uh, with one timeout. But all of us amateur coaches thought, hand the ball off, score the touchdown. And, but there is no guarantee of outcomes. Sure. Hindsight is twenty twenty for people not making the decision. That's right, especially for people not making the decision. Right? <laughs> when you don't have responsibility for the decision, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So th- that's one example, but, but she applies that to a lot of things. And, and basically the idea is that there is uncertainty in life and in decisions. Um, and one of the best uh, examples she uses in the book, that you don't only want to make the uh, judge the quality of your decisions on the results. You want to do better than that uh, because you can get a lot of misinformation. And, of course, it happens in poker. She goes on to describe it poker. But uh, one... Uh, one topic she uses, let's say that somebody's had too much to drink and they decide to drive themselves home. Okay. Okay, so that happens. Uh, of course, we all believe that that's the wrong decision. Horrible decision. Horrible decision, right? But you get home safely. Well, in that in that case, the result was yeah. everything was fine. Got, got home safely and you didn't pay $20 for the Uber. So what a, what a great decision. What a great right? decision. Great economic <laughs> decision, right? However you would only make that judgment based on the result. And that, that's really what she calls, and we can all relate to, a false positive. Sure. Right, you got a, you got a positive result with a horrible decision. Right. So the point is, if you if you only tune your decision-making based on results, then you'll take a situation like that, and, and now you start to, you'll make horrible life decisions, and they will catch up with you probably in very short order. 
Oh, sure. I mean, you can't, you can only walk a tightrope for so long with such a, you know, extreme example like, you know, drinking and driving. Right. But, you know, you can see how she, you know, draws it from poker, too. I mean, I know you don't play poker, you definitely understand how it works, and you enjoy watching it instead of playing it, which I think is very funny. Um, I enjoy losing my money and playing it. Um, But, you know, you can't just, you know, bet on getting a flush every single time. You know, you can't just keep buying in and buying in with, you know, with crap cards and, and, you know, and your strategy just being, you know, getting lucky on the last card. You know, that's that's not good decision. You know, you might get lucky the first time you do it, the second time you do it. You know, you might, you know, you might hit the jackpot and you might, um, you know, beat everyone else around you, but, but that's not... That's not a good strategy. That's that's resulting is what she's talking about. Exactly. Winning with low probability odds, and, 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 and just like you can lose with with high probability odds, you can still lose. Right, and that's and that's just a game. You know, we're talking about you know life. The the longer you live, you know, the the more opportunities you you have for those for those bad decisions to for, to see the results of the bad decision or to see the results of the good decisions to see the payoffs of of you know the good investments of the good decisions that you make. Right. So, this resulting, it's, it's one thing to talk about in poker. It's another thing to think about in life, like you just said. She goes into a lot of detail, and we're not going to get into a lot of it right now, about ways in which you can go back and review your decision-making process. Who wouldn't want to be better at making decisions, right? I think that is so crucial. It reminds me, uh, there's, a, there's a section in a book called Good to Great. It's an older book where Jim Collins talks about these companies who have gone from good to great. And he, but anyway, he talks about the, it's all based on the quality of their decision-making. Sure. And he says it's a series of good decisions made over time. No one bats a 1,000. Nobody gets every decision right, which, of course, you don't in poker and you don't in life. But the point is if you're, if you're strategic and you can develop a process at which you make many more good decisions than you make bad decisions, then the results will uh, surely follow. But the results are the byproduct of a good decision-making process. So I think that's a uh, kind of what we're talking about here with resulting. There are a lot of pro- a lot of ways to go back and, and review the quality of your decision making process, so that you don't just do the simple thing, which is fall into a resulting mindset to evaluate your decisions. Sure, it can be it can be a trap. Be a trap. That's that's I think that is the point. It could be a trap. That's um, that's um, good good point. Very good point. The second thing that we want to talk about <clears throat> from this book is we're talking about two things out of, you know, a hundred really good points. Right. <laughs> right. So uh, so that's why we're talking about being mildly interested is that we can't, uh, we're not going to do all of it. We're going to do a few things that uh, piqued our interest and then uh, uh, go from there. But the second thing we'll talk about is this really important thing about verifying <clears throat> what you know. The learning process typically people might think of is, and uh, she highlights in the book, is that you would hear something, you would test it, and then you believe it. Right, which is the idea that you hear something and then you, you confirm it. Does it make sense? You you judge it, and then if it does, it seems to be true, accurate, or right. Then you put it in your bank of knowledge, right? Sure. Um, <clears throat> but she goes on to say, right now we have a different dynamic going on in our culture, which is, which we don't hear, test, believe. We hear, then we believe it, and then maybe, and maybe later on, not only if we're challenged, do we even test it. But it's this whole dynamic of hearing is believing. What do you think about that? Well, when she described it, which, and you described it perfectly, um, I almost took it um, with a slightly more even more even pessimistic view than she had. You know, as she's describing this as you just have um, of, of people hearing things, not confirming them, and just believing them, and then 
having that information influence their decisions later on, you know, I don't just see that as, you know, individuals or people watching TV or anything. I mean, I think that um, in our system and in our societies now that, you know, people's whose job it is to confirm this with this new information and report it as fact. I think, you know, some of the systems in our society are, are falling into the same trap. It's not just, you know, individuals who are just, you know, being led like sheep. I think it's, you know, I think in some instances, you know, you can see, you know, in, you know, in media or in, or in politics or in government or in banking, I mean, there, there's so many different areas where, you know, new information um, can present itself in, well, help me so you're out. saying there's help organizations and people and organizations and, and, and agencies who are designed to uh, provide the checks and balances. Right. That's absolutely their job. Right, and they're not doing that. Correct. And I th- boy, that that that's, boy, that seems very relevant to me as well. Uh, you look around and say, well, that's not true. How many times do you hear something? That's not true. That's not right. Everybody knows this. If you know your history, if you studied this, if you've ever read this or whatever. But that happens across the board, which is the important thing that she talks about is the need to verify information, the need to test them, okay? And, the, and, 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 and I'll just say it this way so we can <clears throat> uh, let our listeners know. I think that's the key thing about even the, the, the funny, to- funny title of the book, Thinking in Bets. The whole idea is that if you want to uh, ask somebody you know, about what they really believe, if somebody says a piece of information like, well, it's, it's, it's sunny outside, it's going to be 80 degrees a day, and you say, you want to bet? <laughs> That's the whole topic, right? The whole title, the sub, and that is because now all of a sudden, when you are accountable for that information, particularly as in poker, if you have, you know, if you're invested, you may have money. It's going to cost you if you're wrong. The question is, how sure are you? It's about the confidence level in the information, so that you know it's not just passed on. It forces you to want to test or confirm the information, right? So you want to bet is one of those phrases that cuts right through all that stuff we're talking about, right? Cuts through other people. For me, I might jump at the opportunity to, to shake your hand and, and bet immediately. Um, right. As, as the, right. But, the, but anyway, I think that is such a, that's such a heady thing to do that, that, that confronts you with the idea that, hey, this is important. The more important it is, the more you need to, you need to confirm the information. No, I, absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't say it better myself. I mean, it's, you know, the more, the more things matter and the more important the institution and the more important the topic or, or, or whatever it is, you know, being able to check the information and verify the information and test it for yourself becomes even more invaluable the, the more important the stakes are. And the more people, you know, the greater your audience is. I mean, you, you have a responsibility to you know, to yourself and those around you and those who, you know, are influenced by you to verify your information. In business, in life, right, that the quality of your decisions mean, in many cases, success or, or, or failure of a business or an operation or a, uh, whatever it is, right? So kind of what we're saying is <clears throat> results are this combination of decisions, of the, de- the, the, the quality of the decision that's made, and the quality of the decision is based on information that's available, and information that's, you know, and all information comes at a cost. It costs something. It takes something to gain more information. It may take more time. Uh, it may take more money. It may take more research. It may take anything. But the point is decisions. you got the information that you have, and then you have the information you don't have, which we'll put in the uncertainty category, right? And so ultimately the results are a combination of the decision made, the information that was available, and the uncertainty. So the point is the more you can move from uncertainty to useful information, then, then the better quality of the decision is, which takes us back to the, 
to what we're talking about here, and that's testing the information. The only thing worse than having uncertainty and no information is having information that's wrong. Absolutely. You know, it's incorrect. Because if, and that's, that, that's the danger here, and that's why she's saying, I believe, it's at least my takeaway, is that that's why you need to test the information. Otherwise, it, something worse than uncertainty is deception, which is believing something to be true that's not true. Sure, and, and you know that deception. You know, depending on what you're talking about, I mean, it doesn't even necessarily have to be intentional. You know, it doesn't even have to be nefarious. I mean, sometimes you can, you know, you can lie to yourself. You know, you can have you can have confirmation bias. You can have your own you know passions and your own influences and your own world experiences that shape how you you know think of something or how you perceive something. You know, and you and you can lie to yourself, or you can or you can you know read something and you know that says something one way or presents information in one way. And you allow your own uh, personal experience and your own bias to uh, filter it in a way that that's not how it was intended, and and that that misinformation can come from that. That's that's right. It doesn't have to be nefarious, and you said it very well. And that's <clears throat> it can't just be the fact that you you're just not testing it right. And we sure. all have confirmation bias. We like to hear things that confirm what we already believe. And 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 she goes on to say that you know beliefs are very stubborn, right? And I'm not talking about you know doing away with your convictions and your beliefs in, in, in life and, and principles and things like that, but I do think there's a sense that when you just hear something and believe it to be true, particularly with something that you have no experience, no, you know, there's just a lot of danger. You used the word earlier about being a trap. That's a trap because everyone is subject to confirmation bias, which means when I hear something, it confirms what I believe or what I think, then all of a sudden I put a lot of credibility in that, and I think that's real. I put a credibility in the author or the but the opposite of that is true. When I hear something that speaks against what I believe, then what I discredit it. It can't be wrong. I just, you know, dismiss it. Sure. Yeah. It, it almost reminds me. It's kind of a more funny example. You know, it's, you know, you can think of people who are, you know, flat earthers or something like that. You know, I'm sure they go on the internet and just go to flatearther.com and you know read, you know, pages upon pages of information that does nothing but you know, confirm their beliefs. Um, you know, but but any any small testing or any small investigation in, into you know another source would uh, would prove otherwise. So. Well, that's the thing. You know, <laughs> um, I think John Adams once said, "Facts are stubborn things," right? And, I th- and so the idea she draws out in her book is that uh, while we think about other people, this is uh, to me. I took this as a very self-reflective book. Where am I uh, most likely to have a an issue with confirmation bias? What are my blind spots? Sure. Where am I, you know, quick to do fall into resulting or things like that? So that's kind of that's kind of the takeaway here. I think in business and in life, because one of the things um, I have uh, said um, to a few people, um, but it's, it's I say it in my head all the time. One of the things I want, I want to be a good decision maker. That's one of the things for people that work for me, and certainly in my family, and for uh, for you and your sister and everything like that, if there's anything I could pass along besides uh, some core, you know, uh, fu- uh, fundamental beliefs, is, but I want to pass along the ability and the encouragement to make good decisions. Sure. Because no matter what scenario you're in, no matter what line of business, what line of work, or what, you know, where you find yourself, there's always decisions to be made. And uh, you and I talk a lot about the fact that, uh, you know, there are no solutions, only trade-offs, right? <laughs> so the ability to evaluate those trade-offs and make, make decisions based on the information that you have and, and uh, the experience, so it's very important. So anyway, I found, I found this uh, information to be very, very useful to kind of feed that fundamental uh, decision-making. I'll give you the last word. What do you think? Well, you know, if, if anything, that if the only two things you pass on to me are you know, uh, 
quality decision making ability and uh, your fantastic taste in music, then uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think I lucked out as being your son. You've, you're passing down two pretty important things, so um, we'll finish up uh, this uh, podcast here, and then we'll go blast some Rush in your car. That's great. Looking forward to that. A little, little limelight, a little spirit of the radio. Very good. Very good. Well, that concludes this, uh, this, set, this episode, and uh, we'll pick up on another episode where we'll talk about our second book in this series. Thank you. Can't wait.